Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. Churches and people's lives, just 
is the ups and the downs of how life is. Life has got a lot of ups and downs. We're, there's ups and downs spiritually. There's ups and downs emotionally. There's ups and downs physically. And there are times when we deal with tragedy. Tragedy in our life. We deal with things. I've lost friends, family, and so on. There's also ups and downs financially. That is part of life. We go through times when it is not easy to make it. It's difficult to make it. Amen. Right. It's a hard situation. But God is a good God. Amen. And God takes care of His people. What's the scripture say? And this is not an exact quotation, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen the seed begging for bread. God always takes care of His people. I have never been a rich man. And I found out as life has went by that money is one of the least important things when it comes to being happy. The Bible says that money answereth all things. But, but being rich is not... Rich people are not necessarily happy. And poor people are not necessarily sad. And, um, and I think... And, and I, you know, I mentioned the, 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 the term poor. I, I've always said there is a... It's all right to be poor in spirit, but I've never considered myself poor. Um, I, there's been times when I've been broke, but I haven't been poor. Because <laughs> poor is a mindset. Poor is a mindset. Being broke is a situation, but poor is a mindset. You always think you're poor, you're always going to be poor. I mentioned this before one time years ago for the Garrett King preach for us. I love Brother Garrett. I talked about this some time ago with Brother Garrett King preach for us. And he walked out of this church and he looked at me and he offended me when he did it. But he looked at me and he said, your church has got a poverty mentality. I shouldn't say offended me. I was just kind of taken aback by it. And I think the reason that I was taken aback by it was because I knew it was to be true. I knew it was true. He said, your church has got a poverty mentality. How do you get out of poverty mentality? You Quit acting like a poor person. Amen. In the way you act and the way that you give and so on. Now, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell there. I want you to understand something. You don't own anything. You don't own anything. It all belongs to God. Amen. Your paycheck is not yours. 90% of the 10% is not yours. 100% of our paycheck and everything that we own belongs to God. We manage what God gives us. Right. Amen. Amen. That's the idea. The Bible says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 5 and 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Amen. And nowhere is that more evident than how you handle your money. Amen. Nowhere is that more evident. If you show me your bank account and your debtor register, I can tell you what really matters to you. That's right. Amen. Come on. If I see, if you, if you get your, if you take your, your, your phone out, you don't have a, nobody has checkbooks anymore. I, we have a checkbook. How many people here have a checkbook? Not very many people have a checkbook. We have a checkbook. <laughs> I wrote a check to Brother Chris today. That's the first check I've written in quite some time. Amen. Because he fixed my truck. But uh, we hardly ever write checks. It's very seldom. We pay all our stuff online. But if you look through your things, you can see 
you know, if, if we go through there, if you went through your deal and you got these little things that went to uh, 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 Cabela's all the time, you might kind of figure out where your priorities are. If, if they, there was constantly purchases at, at the golf shop, you could figure out. If they were, if you were buying, uh, doing online gambling, we can figure out where your priorities are. If you look at your debit registry, you can look at your uh, bank account and know what is your what your priorities are. Um, now, I I want you to understand that since we are God, we are we need to learn what His principles of finances and giving are. There needs to be a very basic, solid truth. The principles that need to be ingrained in us, and, and these are so important. Proverbs 3 and 9 says this, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. Matthew 6 and 21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So there's a couple principles. Number one, where your treasure is, your heart is, and to honor the Lord with all um, of our increase and all of our substance. Amen. You cannot love the Lord, or you could say that you love the Lord and the church all you want, but the truth of the matter is you cannot have your heart in something without your money in it also. Amen. Throughout my life, I, I, and, I, and I'm going to say this, and there, there's no problem I have no problem with people enjoying things of life. If you want to buy things that you enjoy, for goodness sakes, if you have that discretionary or this that disposable income that you can do that, then then go ahead. If you want to buy a gun to go hunting and a fishing pole to go fishing, uh, then then you do that. And uh, and if you like to golf and you want to buy some golf clubs, I don't care about any of that kind of stuff. It's fine. If you like, you know, it's fine. If you like, ladies, if you like shoes and, and you want to buy you some shoes, try, you know, try to be moderate and temperate about things. But, and the same thing, you know. And the Bible says to be moderate, but in all things. So, but I've noticed over through my life that there are things that are interests and passions to me. And they tend to switch. I'm the kind of guy that enjoys a lot of things. At one time I like to golf. So I went golfing every week. One time a week, I'd go play golf. And I, I'm like the jack of all trades and master of none. I never get really good at anything. I just get good enough to kind of enjoy it. And so I like to golf. So I bought me some clubs. And I never bought a lot of expensive clubs, but I worked around and I would trade around and I'd find some. So I'd get some clubs. After a while, the golf courses priced me out because I didn't have the money to play. So I started quail hunting and uh, dove hunting. And, so I got me, I don't know how many shotguns. I, I didn't spend a lot of money, but I, 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 I traded, trying to trade up. Mostly I would trade down. But I would try, try to trade up to get new shotguns. And I don't know, I must have went through 20 different shotguns trying to find the perfect shotgun. If your heart's in it, you're going to put some money into it. You're going to put some time into it. And you're going to enjoy that. I like basketball. The good thing about basketball is see some good shoes and nice basketball and good shots. I had decent shoes, good basketball. My shot was not great. But I enjoyed myself. Amen. Things like that. Fishing. I like fishing. I don't do a lot of any of these things. But I like them. So I, whenever they said, Dad, what do you want for, for uh, Christmas? I said, there's this little expandable fishing pole. 
They got it for me. They sat there and hadn't been used, but somebody used a spring somewhere. Somewhere. I'm going to use that thing and go fishing. I even ordered me some little crankbaits today because I like to fish. I want you to understand there's a difference between fishing and catching. This guy, I want you to understand. Amen. And just over the years, there's been things that I've liked and I've enjoyed. I love guitar. I enjoy playing guitar. And so on. It's a passion for me. And so over the years, if you could look and see, you could see that there were times when I spent a little more money. I never spent a lot of money on anything. But I would spend a little more money. I'd make trades here. And you could see where my passions or my interests were. So if, if I'm going to tell you all something, and that's all right. But if you are so caught up in that stuff, right. and it is more than you are caught up in God, then something's wrong. Right. Amen. Amen. You, 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 young men, you're going to find that as time goes on, um, and you, if, you're not, if you're not married, if you are married, you know there's a wife that you want to buy something for. Why? Because you love her. Amen. Amen. You want to buy it. And, and guys, don't try to buy it. Just don't. Just don't. Get them a gift card or something. But don't try to buy them clothes because you're, you're going to fail miserably. A sweater, maybe a jacket, you know, but, but you know, if you give them a dress, you can look at it and go, thank you, honey, and go turn it, change it, or never wear it. Ladies, am I right? Yes. Absolutely, I'm right. I know what I'm talking about. This is going to look great on her. And they're going to look at it and go, all his taste in his, is in his mouth. But anyway, so. I appreciate it. <laughs> and so, but but the thing is, here's the, here's the deal. You don't know what they like, but you you're gonna spend some money on it. You're gonna do something. You're gonna try to do something. It may be a Bath and Body Works or whatever that is. Whatever it is, no one likes that Bath Gift card. She loves those things. Is that what you're saying, Bath and Body Works? She loves those things. She loves those little things that the the hand what lotion and all that kind of stuff. So my wife is my wife is little baby. But anyway, so. <clears throat> it's amazing how the heart and the checkbook are connected. Amen. It's interesting. You can give. Let me tell you something, though. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Luke 6, 38 says, Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give it to your bosom. But with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you. Amen. We've come to one of the most important, fundamental aspects of practical Christianity, and that is giving unto God. Now, now, I believe that our giving is connected, directly connected to our faith, and our faith is directly connected and, uh, to our salvation. And I believe that when we give, we do it, we have to do it in faith. Amen. Amen. So there are three basic types. I'm just going to cover these quickly. There are three basic types of biblical giving that I, I believe apply to us today. I'm going to go through this fast because I want to talk a little bit more without taking up all of my time. But there are three basic types. Number one is tithing. And uh, Malachi 3, 8 through 11 says, Well, man robbed God, yet ye have robbed me. But you say, Where have we robbed thee? In tithes and offering. You're cursed with the curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Then he said, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse that there might be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith. Now people have said, I don't pay my tithe and I don't give offerings. I don't pay my tithe so that God will bless me. But Malachi said, if you, I want you to prove me. Amen. 
Prove me, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So it is, it is correct to realize that when we do what God asks us to do, that God is going to return and bless His people. Amen. I'll pour out a blessing. And then he says this. There's two things that go there. Number one, if you pay your tithes, if you, if you, if okay. Number one, if you don't pay your tithe and offering, you don't pay your tithe and give offering. You're robbing God. That's the number one principle here. Amen. Number two, you're cursed with the curse if you don't. Number three, if you do, Amen. God's going to bless you. That is a principle that the Scripture gives us right here. Number four, He said, and I will rebuke. The devourer for your sake, and he will not destroy the fruits of the ground, right? neither shall your vine cast your fruit before the tithe in the field. I'm going to tell y'all something right now. If you don't pay your tithe and give to God, you will pay your tithe and give somewhere. Somewhere you're going to do it. Amen. Somehow or another, it's going to be extracted from you. Amen. The Bible says, and if you look at the people of Israel, you see when they did not do what they were supposed to do, that the devourer came into the land. But when he said, if you will do this, I will rebuke the devourer. Amen. Now, a lot of people say, well, tithing is just under the law. I'm going to show you some things here. The Bible says in Hebrews, the seventh chapter, it's talking about uh, Mechizedek. Talking about Mechizedek. It's talking about Abraham. And it says this. Now consider how great this man was unto even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. He said what happened was Abraham came and he paid tithe. It was a tithe of the tenth. In fact, that's the same word. Um, tithe means tenth. Um, he said he gave the tenth of the spoils to Mechizedek. Now, I'm not going to go into who Mechizedek was. Mechizedek was a type of Christ. That's one thing we know. The Bible says he was without mother and father, so on and so forth. But we're not going to get into whatever esoteric type of concepts and ideas that people think about Mechizedek. But, Mechizedek, but we do know that he was a type of Christ. And when Abraham paid his tithes to him, he was paying it basically into... Uh, in Christ there. But he said, And here men that die receive tithes. But there he receiveth them, them uh, of whom it is witness to live at these. He's saying that, that basically Abraham paid tithe. And I want you to understand something. This was before the law. Amen. Abraham paid tithes before the law. And he says the practice continues on now. Right. Now let me give you some other things real quickly. I'm going through this fast. Uh, Jesus endorsed the practice of paying tithe in Matthew 23 and 23 when he said, Woe well, to scribes and Pharisees, and he was making a point here. Hypocrites, for you pay tithe of men and anise and cumin, and have omitted the way your matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. He said, Okay. He said, You guys go and you pay your tithe, but you, you do the, there are other things that are, that are weightier matters that you have neglected, which is judgment, mercy, and faith. And then he says this. He says, these ought ye to have done and not leave the other undone. What he's saying is, is you need to pay your tithe and also treat people right. right. Now, now, what I feel like this scripture right here that I'm about to read is probably the, the if, I, if there was a proof text for tithe, it would be in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. Paul was talking, and he answered about 
he was answering about this very situation. He said, my answer to them, this is in the third verse, that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, as a brethren of the Lord and Cephas? We can marry and so on. Um, or only I and Barnabas, have we not power to forbear working? But this is, he's talking about not just me and Barnabas, but for, for the ministry itself. Who goeth a warfare any time in his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Who feedeth flocks and eateth not of the milk of the flocks? What he's saying is if you plant a vineyard, you eat of the fruit. If you have a flock, you drink of the milk. Amen. Say I these things of the man, or saith not the law the same also. So what Paul did is he said, I'm giving you this example, and I'm showing you how it was done under the law. And so I'm using this as an example of how we should do it today. If you read that scripture, you'll begin to understand that. We say, well, um, in the Old Testament, that's not, that's not valid. That's not true. You need to keep something in mind that the only Bible these people had in the New Testament was the Old Testament. Right. So the principles that they got and the concepts. Let me say that again. The only Bible that Paul and Peter and Jesus had was the Old Testament. So all the concepts, all the prophecies, all of the principles uh, that were built in the New Testament were built from principles and concepts in the Old Testament. Right. The, the shadows and types of the tabernacle went down to where what we see in the New Testament. Right. So, so when they were preaching, they didn't preach from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. Right. They said the prophet Jeremy said this. Isaiah said that. They preached from the Old Testament. Uh, that is not to say that we are under the law because our scripture explains how all this works. But the principles of the Old Testament uh, are what they applied to the principles of the new. So here he is saying these, I say these things to man, and saith not the law, so say also. Amen. This is where I'm getting this. For it is written in the law of Moses. Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox and tread it out the court. Doth God take care of the oxen? What does that mean? That means that when they would take oxen and they would use them to, to, to basically break the husk of the corn, the oxen had the opportunity to eat of the corn that he was breaking and that he was, he was treading out. So they didn't starve him. He had his right, it was the right of the oxen to take part or partake of that which he was doing. He said, for or saith he altogether for our sake. For our sakes, no doubt, this is written. He that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. So if I'm plowing, it's talking about ministry here, by the way. Right. If I'm plowing, if I'm threshing, if I'm working, I should be, the ministry should be a partaker of the proceeds of that. Then he says this, and he gets down to it. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Then he says, I've decided not to do it this way. Paul decided not to take anything. But, he, but the principle he was saying here is this how it's supposed to work in the ministry. The ministry sows, 
The ministry works. The ministry pastors. The ministry is the apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, or whatever it can be. And they, and they work in that. And so consequently, they are they reap of the of the proceeds of what comes there. He makes this statement in the 13th verse. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers of the altar? He's saying basically what they did then, we still do. What was the concept? How did that work? The, the tithe was used for that. Even so, as the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. It is God's plan for those that, that are, 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 are in that ministry to live of the gospel. Amen. So, the basic concept here is that is what tithe is for. Tithe is for the ministry. And, and it, you'll, find, you'll find that as, as a church begins to grow, that, that there's a certain amount that will begin to, you know, a ton of the tithe moves into other areas and so on. We won't get into all of that. But, uh, but I believe that it is the, the will of God by the scripture that your pastor takes his income. And I'm grateful that I'm able to. Most of my life, I, until the last few years, but most of my life, I have worked a second job so that I could survive. And, and because I have not had, fortunately God is good enough that I have a good enough income that I'm able to, to live, you know, and be a minister full time. I'm grateful for that because I think I would have went crazy the last few years if I wasn't able to do what I needed to do. Amen. So God's very clear about that. So we'll go, we'll move on past that. I'm trying to go through this quickly. Offering. What is offering? Offering is that which is given above and over tithe. There are three areas. Did I mention all three areas? Number one is tithe. Number three is offering of giving. Number four is alms. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Amen. This amount, offering is that which is given over and above uh, that which is tied. And people say, how much should I give in offering? Well, let's look at a guideline, okay? First of all, how much do you love God? How much do you want to bless Him? Amen. Second Corinthians 9 says this, But this I said, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You give more, or you give less, you'll get less. Right. You give more, you'll get more. That's what the Bible says. Right, right. Amen. Amen. Every man according to the purpose of his heart, it's your choice as right. to what you give. Right. So let me give. Not grudgingly. Right. Or over necessity. For God loves the cheerful giver. Amen. What that means is not because I'm forcing you to do it. Amen. I told the story many times about R.W. Shambach many years ago. Went to a friend of mine, Brother Greg Wilkins, went to a crusade of his. Walked into the deal. It was the Phoenix Convention Center, and uh, he walked in and just wanted to see what was going on in this crusade. And uh, and so he walked in, and there was a big room where they had the crusade. Thousands of people were there. Next door was a gun show, and R.W. Shambach <laughs> got up and he took a big, big trash can. He set it out in front of the pulpit, and he said, okay, I'm going over to the gun show, and uh, whenever y'all fill this trash can up with money, I'll come back and preach. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> well, he said they filled it up with money. I, I think there might be just a little bit of pressure 
there. Because, because these people, what happened is these people come because they, he had a healing ministry. And I don't know how legit it was. I don't know. I don't know much about R.W. Shambaugh. But anyway, the Bible says not grudgingly or necessity, not because you're being forced to. But God loves a cheerful giver. When you give, you need to give from the abundance and the big, from a bountiful heart. Right. Amen. It says, I want to do what I can for God. God is able to make all grace about the you that he always having sufficiency in all things may abound in every good work. Look at that. He says, not grudgingly, God loveth the cheerful giver, and God is making all grace abound that he always having plenty in everything. Amen. If you give to God, God's always going to take care of you. Amen. You hear what I say? If you give to God, God's always going to take care of you. I love the, the power and the presence of God. I thought there for a minute Brother Nate was getting really under conviction because he was covering his face in the Bible, but he was playing with Zacharias. So we're good. <laughs> I thought, what is he doing? Something got said must have got to him. I realized he was making faces at Zacharias. <laughs> I can't stand it. I have to do the same thing. The guy, the kid reacts so well. <laughs> Now, you know what? Wednesday night could be a very enjoyable time. Amen. Amen. So, so, the thing is, is that, that here's the way it works. If we, if we pay our tithe, we're proving God. Right. He's going to take care of us. Right. I pay my tithes for longer than I could, as long as I can remember. Let's go down that. I pay my tithe. God has always taken care of it. I mentioned this not too long ago. I started giving a little more. And we gave, we thought, you know, we thought whatever we gave was a lot of money at the time. I thought, I can't give much in, in offering it. But then we increased it, and we increased it, and we increased it. We kept increasing it. And, uh, and so we just, we just continue to increase what offering we give. And God has just blessed us and blessed us and blessed us. Over and over and over, God has blessed us. I'm telling you, I, I've seen it in my life. Right. Amen. Amen. And, and God has out of nowhere, <clears throat> out of nowhere, I have, I have walked to the, when I was so broke, I couldn't pay attention. I've walked to the, to the, did y'all get that? <clears throat> so broke, just, just broke. And I've walked to the mailbox, opened up, pulled out a letter and found a thousand dollar check in it. I've had people walk up to me and give me three or four thousand dollars just out of nowhere. I've had money come from where I did not expect it. Amen. 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 It wasn't like the guy who said he, he found this woman. She's crying. And uh, she, he said, what happened? She said, I lost my money. All my money, I lost it. He said, I... I, you know, I felt sorry for her, so I gave her forty dollars out of the two hundred dollars I found in the parking lot. <laughs> God has been so over and over again. I can. There have been times. I remember one time in particular. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And and I, I remember somebody walked up. And three thousand dollars, out of the blue, totally unexpected. I was like, "What?" Well, 
Go on, eat. I <laughs> you know, and then sometimes things will happen. I remember one time, our 25th anniversary, which only about nine years ago, was coming up, and we didn't have hardly any money at all. And I wanted, we wanted to do something special. This is kind of a silly little thing, but we want to do something special. Right, right. And 25th anniversary, we didn't have any money to do anything special. And I remember going and coming across the guitar. There was all the, the, the saddles were missing on. The, the nut was broken. There were knobs missing. It had a cigarette burn on the stock, and, uh, which was a selling point. You, you know, or on the headstock. You just have to know how that works. But, and I took that thing. And I bought it with money that I did not have. I bought it with $250, and I think my wife thought I might have been a little crazy on that one. I'm like, what are you doing spending $250? You know, because we can't really afford it. And I put it on eBay and sold it for over $1,500 in a week and because it was a collector's item. And um, we went to San Diego for our 25th anniversary, and I felt like that was God blessing us. There's something that's just kind of out of the blue. Amen. And just things, God has been so good to us over and over again. What are offerings used for? Amen. Uh, the Bible says Exodus 35, and I'm trying to move along. Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take you from among an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart. Let him bring it as an offering unto the Lord, gold, silver, and brass, and blue, purple, etc., 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 Oil for light, spices, amen, and, and every wise heart among you shall come and make all the Lord has commanded. And they brought all of this stuff and they built a tabernacle for God. Amen. And um, we, we use it for that. This is, this is, I'm so grateful. I know I'm grateful for the, 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 uh, the insurance money and all the other monies that have come in. I'm going to tell you all something. Building this building, there have been... Thousands, probably tens of thousands of dollars that have come from areas I did not expect. People who have given money out of the blue walk in, give two, three, four, five thousand dollars. This thing costs a lot of money. It's going to cost a lot of money to finish. But God has been so good. He says it's just a building. It's not just a building. I want you to understand something about this place. This was God's doing. Right. This wasn't my doing. It's what you're doing. It was God's doing. Just a few months before all of this stuff came to fruition, I had I had stopped dreaming. I always wanted to build a building. I always wanted to build a building, a new building. We had that little one across the street. A few of you remember that building, but but a lot of you do not. But we had that little building across the street. We had it was a, a probably a third in area of what this one will be when it's done. And we had been there since 1953. Not me personally. I haven't been around since then. But since 1953, we had been in that building. And it was not sufficient for our needs. And we had bought some land over on 20th. It was good land. And we just weren't able to handle it at the time. We sold it made a small profit off of it. And it, and it bothered me for years. I didn't even like to drive by there because we had to sell that land. I found a church down the road. That I made a deal with them. All I needed was to. It was during the whenever the, the 
financial crisis of the, I don't remember exactly what it was, maybe the, uh, 2008, 2010, when I found a church on the road, all I needed to do was get seven, only $75,000 for that building across the street. That's all, and I couldn't get it. And then put down on this other building, and it didn't work out. And so I reached this point, and it was very frustrating. I remember saying to myself, I will never build a building here. That's just the next guy that comes along. He'll do that. And I stopped dreaming. And God changed everything in one Sunday night or Saturday night. God changed everything. Who's here then? Amen. Amen. Yes, Sister Sylvia, you were here. Sister Keith was here too. Amen. And 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 the the old church was basically tore up by by that hailstorm. It was not my doing. And we were just going to rebuild it, remember? We're going to have it rebuilt. Remember the plans I brought in and laid out and said, this is what we're going to do. And they said, no, we can't do that. And on and on, it went on and on. And at last, I stood there in front of that building one day. And, and it actually before that, Brother Nate and I come over to this little place right in this little office next to us. We walked over there and asked them if they were interested in leasing this property. And they said, no, we'll sell it to you. We bought it for a song and a dance, basically, is what we got it for. And we and and the building inspector told us, told me, he said, look, he said, don't fix that building up. He said, build you a new one. And he's been a friend to us ever since. I'm telling you what, God's hand has been in this building. You might not think much about it, but God's hand has been in this building every single step of the way. And so the more we get to this, the more God's going to bless you. Amen. 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 I should take an offering right now. Uh, but uh, general, <laughs> general operating costs of the assembly, world missions. And then the third part of giving is all. You need to find a time and a place to give to people who need help. Right. That's right. Uh, I have some general rules about the way I operate with that. I don't particularly give a lot of cash out. I give very, very little cash out. Because I know that most, a lot of people that you give cash to, the money is going to be abused. But I can buy the, all the meals I can. I can put gas in people's cars. I can do whatever I can to help them. And I've done a lot of things. You see, the other day, and I don't even do this a lot of time, I got a guy in a motel room because he needed a motel room. And uh, we just we just do things. I don't always do that, but I'll, you know, if somebody comes by and says, hey, I'm hungry, I'll take them and get something to eat. Somebody says, hey, I need some gas in my car, I'll put gas in their car. And, uh, because I, and, and just do whatever I can to help. The Bible tells us that because of the alms and Cornelius and the prayers right. combined, God answered him. I'm gonna I'm gonna read something here. There's a book that um, there's a book that um, in fact I just I had it years ago and I read it. It impressed me. It's called The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. And if you um, if you get a chance, get this book. It only costs a few dollars on Amazon. But there are six principles that he brings out. There's a whole lot of other things that Randy Alcorn says in this book. He's got a couple of books that are very, very good. Young men or men, period. There's a book he's got called The Purity Principle. It's an easy read, but it is worth your read. Um, but this book, The Treasure Principle, he has six principles that he puts toward giving. Number one is, and I've mentioned this already, that God owns everything. I'm his money manager. 
We are the managers of the assets that God has entrusted, not given unto us. When you start thinking about your money that way, it changes your way of thinking. Amen. Number two, my heart always goes where I put God's money. Talk about some of this stuff. But my heart always goes where I put God's money. Watch what happens when you reallocate your money from temporal things to eternal things. Number three, heaven, the new earth, not the or the new New Jerusalem, but not the, not the present one, is my home. Heaven is my home. We are citizens of a better country, a heavenly one. Number four, I should live today not for the dot, but for the light. The dot, our present life on earth, extends into a line that goes on forever, which is eternity in heaven. We need to live for the line, not right now. Amen. Number five, giving is the only antidote to materialism. Come on. Now listen to that. Giving is the only. If you are materialistic, you need to start giving. Because giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. It dethrones me and exalts him. Number six, God prospers me. Not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. God gives us more money than we need so we can give generously. I'm going to tell you something. Now, I'm just going to recommend if you can get this book, you ought to get it. It's terrific. It's 150 pages. It's a fast read, but it's worth it. You've got testimonials. The man went through tough times, but he began to give and give and give, and God blessed him. Amen. Let me tell you something. We have, we are, and I, I feel like, I felt like talking about this because I, and I'm just about finished. I know I've been a little long. I'm just about finished. I felt like talking about this because one thing, I need to teach on this on a regular basis. And I know I just kind of gave a cursory overview of it. I need to teach about this on a regular basis. Number two, we've got some needs. And you need to think about that and let God move and touch you. We've got needs in this church. I'm just going to give you an example. Right now we're sitting right on the edge with getting into that, into our sanctuary. We've got all of our lumber. And, uh, and, and for, well, we have some that's coming in, but we bought all of our lumber for the platform. And the rooms. There's a couple of other things for that. We we need the uh, hardware and the little, uh, there's about three things that I can think of that we need. Three or four things. Number one, that we have not bought. Number one, we need the hardware and the hot water heater for the, the on-demand hot water heater for the baptistry. Number two, we need um, the insulation, which is not a whole lot, for the drum room. Uh, number three, we need the, the trim. We need to buy the trim around the doors, around the bottom. And number four, we need the, the mounts for the, for the monitors that will be used for the work. There's two or three of those that I think we need. Um, those are th those right there. And so we need to get those things there. We need some paint. We're going to need more paint. We're going to need more stain. Just a variety of things that we're going to be needing. Uh, if you feel the Lord is leading you, Today, sister, she probably don't want me telling you this, but Grandma Savala uh, bought the stuff for the, the rest of the stuff for the um, sound booth. And so, 
and, and, and more and more, believe me. And, uh, and so um, when we get done with all that, we're going to have, I hope, just about enough money to carpet it and then get all the trim and everything. When that's done, we need chairs. Chairs are going to cost $8,500. Right now we have pledged about $5,500. Um, and I think we have in maybe a little more than half of those pledges have been paid. So, 25? That's a little more than that, I think. I think it's, a little, it's more like 3,000. Um, I think that we counted maybe 3,000 that's come in. So there's still a couple thousand, maybe $2,500 that has not come in on those pledges. If you make pledges, um, very soon, we're going to need to buy those chairs. And so, I want you to let God speak to you. Because we, I'm going to tell you what. We're going to get in that building. I'm going to tell you what. When we had a business meeting recently, remember I asked this question. I said, can I get a motion to give me the permission, if you will, to get another loan? And what did everybody say? No. I'm so glad you said no. Because I don't want any more love. But we need the money. Right. You let God touch you. Brother, Brother uh, Garrett told me this one time. I said, I told him, our church is poor. We don't have money. He said, the money is on those, is in those pews. And I didn't believe it. And God has shown me different. Because I know that God always supplies. I woke up at 10 minutes to 5 o'clock this morning. Woke up praying. God, this is exactly what I prayed. God, because my mind's been running on this one. God, you've done it before. You're going to do it again. That's what I woke up this morning praying. God, I woke up and the first thing in my mind is, God, you've done it before. You're going to do it again. You're going to take care. And I know that God is. You trust God. God is going to take care of you. Yes, sir. And within about two months, you know, it depends on shipping and all that with chairs and everything. But within about two months, we're going to be having church over there. We'll be having, able to have fellowship dinners and stuff in here. Put seven things up and everything. Let's stand and love the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, God. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We ask, Lord, that you will touch right now. Touch our hearts. Touch our hearts. Touch our hearts.